Oh Lord, we do pray that you would, with your, your mercy, reach out and touch us. That we don't want to live in fear anymore. We don't want to live without the joy that, that you intend for your children to live with. So may your spirit come and teach us. Give us a sense of what it is that you want the power of the risen Christ to do in our lives, Holy Spirit, so that we might indeed be powerful in your hands. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all God's people say, Amen. You may be seated. By the way, I thought the Holy Week services from Palm Sunday through Easter were amazing. Amen? Oh, yeah. And I know that each and every one was doing what they were doing to the glory of God, but I just think it was amazing how many different people were a part of making those services what they were. Those that uh, spent time uh, making sure that the decorations in the church were festive and brought joy out just in terms of the appearance of the church, our drama teams, our, our dance teams, our, our worship teams, we were indeed blessed. Are we amen? Amen. Wow. God bless every one of you. Yeah. All right, I got a question for you. Joy is rising, but are you living with joy? And Rob, just because you're married to joy does not mean that you are living with joy. Okay, all right, Rob Warner uh, is married to joy and that, so he kind of uh, has an easy answer to that one. But are you living with joy? I mean, we, we come uh, to worship service on Easter, and the, the joy was kind of contagious, wasn't it? But are we living every day with joy? Is the joy overflowing? That, that's what I, we want to talk about. It. And how is it that, that maybe we can figure out why, what gets in the way of us living with joy? What is it that, that seems to somehow cheat us and rob us of that, that joy that God wants for us to live our lives with. And so for us to, to answer some of those questions and see how it is that we can live our lives with joy, I'd like for you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 20. In your pew Bibles, it's page 769. 769. What we're going to be reading from is verse 18 and on. It, it follows the account in John's Gospel of Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. And so we see here in verse 18 of John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Now what I find fascinating about this is that the disciples had heard the Gospel message. They had heard that Jesus was risen. And they had even heard some of the things that Jesus had said about what he was going to be doing. But was their joy rising at that point? We continue with the text. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. I want to pause there. They were behind locked doors for what? Fear. And I wonder in our lives how much fear isn't the joy robber for us. They were in fear that possibly those Jewish leaders who had crucified Jesus would say, hey, 
Maybe it would be a good idea to wipe out his closest followers. So their, their fear wasn't irrational, was it? But they were living in fear and they were living behind like doors. They certainly, at that point, were not overjoyed. They're not filled with joy. Even though they had heard the Easter message, they still weren't living with joy. They were living filled with fear. And I wonder what you're afraid of. Think about that for a bit. What are you afraid of? You know, I'm not afraid of much. I'm certainly not afraid of dying. My retirement plan is out of this world. So if God calls me home, I'm ready to go at any point. So I have absolutely no fear of death. I guess sometimes, when I really think about it, I sometimes do fear what might lead up to that. Uh, a fear of being incapacitated for a, a long time uh, prior to, to going home to the Lord. That I, I have some fear of. But there's not a whole lot else I'm afraid of. God has gotten me through so many things in my life. And I've seen how he's been able to work good out of a lot of things that I didn't see any good future coming out of. It's, it's kind of hard for me to, to get a real afraid about anything. Real afraid about anything. I guess you can say that. So, what are you afraid of? I don't know. But I'll bet you're afraid of some things. And I'll bet you that, that those fears are leaving you behind a locked door. And they certainly are keeping you from sharing the joy of Jesus with others. Now here's what I find interesting. Is that even though they knew about the reality of the, the resurrection, they still hadn't experienced the presence of Jesus in their life. They still hadn't experienced the presence of Jesus where they were afraid. And here is what's so cool about God. Jesus doesn't wait for them to get over their fear, does he? Jesus comes, and he comes right to where they were at. So they're there behind the locked doors for fear of the Jews, and it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. It wasn't until they experienced the real presence of Jesus in that place where they were afraid that they were overjoyed. Do you think there's a learning lesson in there for us? I think so. Now here's what's so uh, amazing about Jesus. He comes and he reveals himself and his presence to them. And here's some of the neat things that the presence of Jesus brings to them. He brings peace. He says, peace be with you. And he repeats that. He obviously wants us, when we know that he's there alive with us, he wants us to live with peace. But he also gives us a sense of purpose. He says to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, what am I going to do? I'm sending you. Jesus says, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came not to be served, but to serve. And so he gives us that same purpose in life. We're sent to bring the good news of God's kingdom to, to the world. We have that, that same purpose in our, our life of being able to serve others in the name of Jesus. We have that purpose as well. We have a sense of power. 
He gave to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. He says, breathe, breathe on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit because they weren't going to be able to live with joy on their own power, were they? They would need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to live the joy-filled life. And so he breathes on them the power of the Holy Spirit. He does the same for us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. It's given to us in our baptism. It's given to us in his word. And he continues to pour out his Holy Spirit upon the people who are the followers of the resurrected Jesus Christ. That power is still there for us. And he also gives us permission to pardon. Don't you love it when you can come up with these alliterations? You got the peace, the purpose, the power, and the permission to pardon. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. He gives us permission to let go of the past and forgive others in the name of Jesus and to let go of what that's doing to us. But there's one more thing that Jesus did there, and we need to, to, to note that. In verse 20, after he had said, Peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. He offered to them proof. He offered to them proof. Kurt Gledhill did an amazing job of doing this piece of artwork where it shows to us how Jesus offered that proof that their Messiah, the one that they had put their trust in, was the one who loved them enough to die for them. They had sometimes thought that they would have to die for their Messiah. But he says, no, understand very well that here is proof that I loved you. And here is proof that your sins are forgiven. When those nails were driven through my hands, I was suffering for your sins. When I died, when that uh, spear was pierced in, into my uh, side, that was to let you know that through my death, you now are right with God. You don't have to fear death anymore. You are forgiven. Here is, is proof. And so he gives them permission to reach out and touch that. You know, it's interesting. It wasn't just Thomas that was given that proof. It was the 11 there on that first Easter Sunday. And then the week after, Thomas says, I need proof. And says, Jesus, here, here's proof. Well, do you need proof? You probably do. You wonder, does God love me? There's the proof. Has God forgiven me? There's the proof. Do I have to fear anything that the world might throw at me? No, there's the proof. Because Jesus died. He took my sin upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. There's the proof. And you and I, if we're going to overcome our fears, we need to have that proof, just as the disciples did. Have you allowed yourself to touch the scars of Jesus? Or are you living in doubt? Are you living without a sense of joy because you simply aren't sure whether God loves you or whether he can overcome the problems that you're having in your life? Jesus continues to plead with us, reach out and touch me. See that I'm real. See that what I've done has accomplished all that has ever separated you from God and his love. And now you can live with that true peace that passes all understanding. Scars are an amazing thing, aren't they? Few of us get through life without them, right? I've got a, a scar here on my left hand. I think I was about 18 months old. I really don't even remember this. 
but I'll, I've been told that I put my hand on a really hot stove and I still got the scar there. I still tend to be a little bit uh, skittish about real hot things touching them. You live with your scars, don't you? Got another uh, scar on my uh, right leg. I was uh, a kid and I was riding a bike without a, a chain guard and the chain slipped and I dropped down on the chain guard. A little bit of hamburger got created. There, I still got the scar, but I still ride a bike. <laughs> uh, no, I won't do it. Uh, I got a couple of scars uh, from a surgery I had a few weeks ago. And I'm, you know, but you live with, with the, those physical scars that you tend to accumulate over the years. Anybody here have no scars at all? If you're over just a few years old, you probably got them, right? But you know what? It's not just the physical scars. It's the other kind of scars that we encounter that we really need to pay attention to. Think about the things that were done to you growing up, the family you grew up in. So we get, get scars for, from, from those things. Somebody did something to us or said something to us or abandoned us or rejected us and we're left with a scar. One of my favorite cartoons is a cartoon of this big uh, hall and there's one person sitting in this hall by themselves and in the back of the hall there's a banner that says National Convention of People Who Grew Up in Functional Families. <laughs> you know, I think even Jesus grew up in a dysfunctional family. And, and so we all kind of just by growing up, we, we have those things. Or things happen to us in school. We've been uh, you know, in the news aware of, of those things that sometimes happen where, where people are scarred badly. Somebody says something to you. Something's done to you. When I was going to high school, there was a situation where, at least from my perspective, I was treated very unfairly about an opportunity to play football uh, the way I had hoped I'd be able to. And that, that was a scar on me that, that I carried with me for a number of years. We all experience those kinds of things, and those scars tend to rob us of joy if we're not careful. And so the question is, what are we going to do with our scars? And I believe that there are three options that many of us look to. I think one option that we have is that we live ashamed of the scars. We try to cover them up. We try to live in denial that we've experienced these wounds and that we are scarred. And so we, we live hiding them. We live ashamed. Some cover over their, their pain and, and their shame with a sense of bitterness and resentment. And that's a real joy robber, isn't it? You all of a sudden, there's something that's happened to you, and you become bitter about it. You become resentful about it. And your life becomes consumed by that bitterness and resentment. And if you take it to another step, you just simply start living your life full of anger. Rather than full of joy, you're living your life full of anger. And you can kind of sometimes try to pretend that you're uh, not angry, that you're not bitter, and you're not resentful. But it squeaks out. Just like joy can squeak out if you're not careful, I can assure you that if you don't do something with your bitterness and your anger and resentment, it will squeak out. And it will sometimes touch the people's lives around you that you have no intention for to touch them. But here's where I believe Jesus says there's a third choice. Because we all have choices about what we're going to do with the scars. We can live ashamed of them. We can try to live hiding them. We can try 
living and covering it up with bitterness and resentment and anger, or we can choose to find joy in living with joy, knowing that Jesus has touched our scars. You see, Jesus invites us to touch his scar so that we have proof that he died for us, he rose again, our sins are forgiven, and we are going to spend eternity with God. That is the proof. But I think there's something we miss out on. We don't let Jesus now touch our scars. And so we end up living without the joy that God wants us to live with. Have you let Jesus touch your scars? Or have you felt, no, that's something I'm going to hide from him. Or try to pretend that it really isn't robbing me of the joy in my life? Or are you going to say, it's time for me not to deliver it? Because when Jesus touches those scars, it makes all the difference in the world. He comes and he says, you're not defined by those scars anymore. And I think that's often what we let. We let a scar define who we are. And Jesus says, that scar isn't going to define you. Jesus had to touch the scar that I felt over that, that bitterness and uh, resentment I felt about being treated unjustly. But he says, I have a better plan and a purpose for your life. Don't let that define you. Don't let that be the thing that makes you feel full of anger and, and resentment. He touched it, and he took it away. And then I could go on and live my life being the servant of God he wanted me to be. I could live with joy, but I had to let Jesus touch that scar. And so do you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes about how he had a, a thorn in the flesh. And there was a part of him that just eagerly wanted that thorn in the flesh to be taken away. It seemed to him a hindrance to him in being a servant of God. He says three times he prayed fervently about that. But here's the amazing word of Jesus to him. He says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't live letting yourself be defined by that thorn in the flesh. And he's saying to us, don't let yourself be defined by the scars of your past. Realize that I am your risen Lord and that my grace is sufficient for you. And so Paul took a whole new view on his thorn. He says, now I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm going to let my weakness become useful to God. And here's the amazing thing. When we let Jesus touch our scars, all of a sudden, when we've let his grace and his love and his forgiveness wash over those scars and touch them, our scars become useful to God as well. You ever notice that other people are scarred too? No, nobody gets through life without scars. And here's the neat thing. When we let Jesus touch our scars, now when we run into someone else and we begin to develop a relationship with them and they begin to share their scars with us, we have an amazing opportunity to reach that one more life with Jesus by letting them know that we let Jesus touch our scar and to let him know the difference that made. To let him know that the presence of the living Jesus in our lives has made all the difference in the world. That we now have a peace that passes all understanding. That we have a purpose in our life that isn't defined by our scars. 
that we have the power of the Holy Spirit available to us and that we have been able to forgive those who caused the scars because Jesus has forgiven us. What an amazing Jesus we have who will do for us what he did for those disciples. And they were overfilled with joy. And my challenge to us is, are we going to just simply hear the good news and then go out and live joyless lives? Or are we going to be the people of God who have let the presence of the living Jesus into all those areas where fear has filled our lives? Jesus wants us to experience a new life, a better life, a life where his love and grace and truth touches every part of them. And so I invite you to be people of God who are filled with joy, who are living in joy, who are no longer ashamed of the scars, but by the power of the Holy Spirit are saying, Jesus has touched my scar, let him touch your scars as well. And all God's people who are ready for this mission say, Amen.